Hi, this is Mike Delavan and Mike Posey, and, and you're, you're listening, listening to Word of Hope Christian Church in New Braunfels, Texas. Hi, everyone, and welcome once again. I'm Pastor Tim with Word of Hope Christian Church in New Braunfels, Texas. It's Sunday, November 26, and it's time for the Word of God. Today, we begin our Advent series called God With Us. Over the next four weeks, I'll be talking with you about how God with us brings hope, love, joy, and peace. So we begin with part one, which is titled The Promise of Hope. I'll tell you more in a moment, but right now, join me in a word of prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, Almighty God, we celebrate you. We worship you. We are so excited about this time of season as we begin the journey toward Christmas. Lord, help us to understand your word today and the promise of hope in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen. There's a story about how the caverns north of Yellowstone National Park were discovered. As the story goes, one of the original explorers was walking along the top of that mountain and fell through a hole. He dropped down several hundred feet into this cavern and was stuck in almost total darkness for over a week with no food and no water. He cried out every day, help me, hoping that somebody would hear his voice and figure out that he's down there. Sure enough, a guy came along and heard the faint sound and looked around and found the hole. They dug him out and that's how they found this giant cavern. They asked him, how did you hold on to hope day after day after day in the dark without giving up? He said, there was one little pinhole ray of light that was coming through, and I just kept focused on that ray of light. But hope is like that, isn't it, beloved? Hope is that tiny ray of light that we keep focusing on. What does hope look like in your life? For some, hope is the first candle lit when the power goes out in the storm. Hope is the first day you wake up and you can breathe again after an awful cold. And hope is that percentage that you do have in beating cancer. Hope is the faint line on that stick when you've been struggling to get pregnant. It's the first ray of sunshine through the window after a tearful, difficult night. Hope is the first soldier to land on the beach. Hope is hearing the words, he's going to be okay. Hope is the flicker of maybe, just maybe. Hope is the fuel of faith and dreams. And hope is what we celebrate on this first Sunday of Advent. Advent is actually a season of hope. The word Advent means coming or arrival. And the season is marked by expectation, waiting, anticipation, and longing. Advent is not just an extension of Christmas. It's a season that links the past, the present, and the future. Advent offers us the opportunity to share in the ancient longing for the coming of the Messiah, to celebrate his birth, and to be alert for his second coming. Advent is not a celebration that God comes to fix things from broken computers to broken families to broken and hurting lives. Rather, simply, Advent is a celebration that God comes. God comes to be with us. He is God with us. In the darkness, in the pain, in the chaos, he comes and makes a way. That's the way God has been working throughout history. You see, back in the beginning, in the way God intended this creation, he walked freely and openly talked with Adam and Eve. He was with us, and humanity enjoyed wholeness and intimacy with God. But you know the story. Adam and Eve chose sin. Separation divided God and humans. The brokenness of our world that we know far too well is the ongoing result. But do you realize that ever since God has been working toward restoration and healing and wholeness for us and all that he has made, 
This is the overall story of the Bible. Throughout it, we can see God making a way and giving and reminding his people of hope that he's still at work. But much time has passed, years and generations and centuries, and we humans are an impatient breed. The ancient Israelite people cried, How long, O God? From the times of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to David, Elijah, Elisha, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and the many other prophets, there was a repeating history of devotion to God and then neglect of God. In the midst of that long journey of hope, Isaiah is what Bible scholars call a major prophet. He wrote a lot, and he taught a lot, and played a prominent and public role in Israel. He was a famous guy back in his day, though not always popular, especially when he was telling kings and the general public things they didn't want to hear, like, God doesn't like the way you're cheating poor people, or an enemy empire is going to invade and destroy your country. But you might say Isaiah is the poster prophet for Advent, this season of longing, expecting, and hoping for God to be with us. Through Isaiah, God gave Israel and us many prophecies and promises about the Messiah he would send. And in that way, Isaiah has a voice of hope. Isaiah lived 700 years before Jesus, but he gave us beautiful words that ring with hope for the coming Messiah. Here's just a few passages from Isaiah. First, Isaiah 7:14. All right then, the Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Then in Isaiah 9, verses 1 and 2, Nevertheless, the time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, and there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. And just a little later in that very same chapter, Isaiah wrote in verses 6 and 7, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. Can you imagine living in an ancient world well before the time of digital or even much written information and hearing a message like that? Can you imagine the hope that would spring into people's hearts? Did Isaiah understand all of these messages and promises? On some level, I think yes, but on others, probably not. Perhaps Isaiah thought it would be in his lifetime, or maybe he was wise enough to know that God's work stretched for generations and generations. But Isaiah was filled with hope, and God's promises fueled him. They fueled his people to continue to hope for years and centuries. His vision of God with us still fuels hope inside of us millennia later. As we turn our attention to the Christmas narrative in Luke, Zechariah would have been well acquainted with the words and prophecies of Isaiah. Zechariah was a priest. Luke described him in Luke 1.6 as righteous and blameless. He was a good Jewish follower of God and a spiritual leader to his people, and he undoubtedly held deep longings for the Messiah who had been promised. But Zechariah was still in shock when suddenly, out of the blue, on an ordinary day when he was going about his priestly duties, God dropped a mega dose of hope into Zechariah's world for the people of Israel. Picture it. 
It's been 400 years since Israel had had a clear prophetic voice and message from God. 400 years, people. Think about how long that is. The United States is only 246 years old. So an angel showed up and told Zechariah that he and his wife Elizabeth would have a son who will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Luke 1.17 Zechariah knew the significance. He knew the prophecies of the Messiah. He also knew that this was a miraculous occurrence all the way around. Can you imagine the hope that sprang within this couple and the people around them when they heard that news? The old prophecies are about to be fulfilled. The one prophesied to come in the spirit of Elijah to prepare the way for the Messiah is coming. God is moving to restore hope that he is still here, that the human expression of God with us is still coming, that God is about to stir things up and change eternity forever. So hope in Israel was alive again. Hope on earth at its deepest levels was alive again. Maybe some of you are thinking, that's all nice and great for those people thousands of years ago. But what about for us right here, right now? What about for me? They weren't fighting cancer. Their spouse wasn't killed fighting a war on the other side of the world or didn't walk out on them. They didn't lose their job with no warning, with bills to pay and debt stacking up and kids expecting Christmas presents, not to mention meals on the table. Beloved, no matter what kind of problems and struggles you're facing right now today, no matter what kind of season of darkness and pain you're in, please let me encourage you not to abandon hope. Hope is still alive. Even in our deepest pain and most hopeless circumstances, hope is alive because God is with us. How can we know that? How can we find that tiny spark of hope when we're on the verge of giving up? I think there's several ways that all of us can kindle and reconnect with God's hope during this Advent season, no matter what kind of circumstances we're facing. The first way we can rekindle hope is focusing on God's word. Can you say that with me? Focusing on God's word. Part of God with us is the written word that he's left us. These are his promises to his people, both long ago and today. They're a piece of him. They are beacons of hope. They are reminders that can penetrate our hearts and spirits and assure us that no matter what we're facing, no matter how bleak tomorrow looks, no matter how bad the pain, God will never leave us or forsake us and nothing can separate us from him. Consider the words of the psalmist in Psalm 139 verses 7 through 12. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you're there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in darkness I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. Can you feel the hope in those words? Beloved, you're not alone. God with us means that he always will be with us and nothing, I mean nothing, can take that away. Scripture is filled with stories and words and promises that can rekindle a supernatural hope within us. As we move through Advent, let me encourage you to dig into the words of the Bible expectantly because God is with us. We can take hope and because of that, we know that we're never alone, that he is always working in and among us. 
Philippians 1.6 says, And I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns. The second way we can rekindle hope is put our focus on God's character. In other words, on who he is and promises to be. There's a small story in the book of Mark chapter 5 verses 25 to 34 that's really easy to overlook. But it's a great story of hope. It was about a woman, we don't even know her name, who has a bold hope. For 12 years, this woman had been bleeding. No one had been able to help her. Doctors tried, but this woman's condition had only grown worse. This was a condition that would have affected everything about her every day of her life. Those with long-term illnesses can probably relate. This woman was probably considered unclean and treated like an outcast because of her health problems. Even people who might try to understand her problem couldn't. She didn't even understand it herself. But she had heard about this Jesus, the stories, the miracles, the healings, and she believed. Hope awoke inside of her. The hope of healing, the hope of a new life, it drove her to action. Mark 5.28 says, she thought to herself, if I could just touch his robe, I'll be healed. She had a bold hope. It may seem like a small action to us, but she did what she could just to get close enough to Jesus and reach out. And when she did, it made all the difference in the world. Was it hard? Probably. Jockeying her way through the noisy, clamoring crowd must have been really difficult, especially with a long-term illness, especially if she was stigmatized and looked down upon. Was she afraid? Yes, especially when Jesus began looking at her in the throng of people. Again, in Mark 5, verses 30 and 31, it says, At the same moment, Jesus felt energy discharging from him. He turned around to the crowd and asked, Who touched my robe? His disciples said, What are you talking about? With this crowd pushing and jostling you, you're asking, who touched me? Dozens have touched you. The woman must have frozen in that moment. She had been healed miraculously, but was there going to be a price to pay for her action? Verse 33 says, Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And in verse 34, And Jesus said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. So Jesus connected with her deeply and directly as God with us. And the healing, peace, and freedom he gave her, it changed her life. This is our God, beloved. This is his character. Jesus is worthy. He was and still is God with us. He fulfilled Israel's hope for the Messiah when he arrived that first Christmas. He fulfilled humanity's hopes for victory over death when he resurrected that first Easter. And one day, he will ultimately fulfill all hope and complete God's work of restoration for all creation. This is the promise he left with us to give us a foundation of confidence and boldness. He said in Matthew 28, 20, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's a promise worthy to fuel our hope, isn't it? Because God is true to his character, because of who he is, we can take hope in him. Amen. The third way we can find and choose hope is this. Focus on God's faithfulness. How has God worked in your life? What are those moments and memories when you have experienced God's work in your life? You know those times when you had no doubt he was there and he was working. Maybe it's been recently. Maybe it's been a long time ago. But in those circumstances swirling around you, the presence of God's Spirit was with you. What does that have to do with hope? 
What do those memories have to do with you here and now? Gratitude breeds hope. Thankfulness fosters hope. Acknowledgement and appreciation bring hope. Listen to these words from Jeremiah found in Lamentations, a book most of us may not spend too much time reading. Lamentations 3, verses 21 to 26. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance, therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. So it is good to wait patiently for salvation from the Lord. Did you catch that? Go back to the beginning. Look at verses 21 and 22 again. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Hallelujah. Jeremiah understood that there is hope in the future when we remember what God has done in the past. He knew that hope sparks like a fire. It flows like water. It grows like a seed. Hope grows and spreads like a living thing. It can dwindle and wane and yes, even die. But with nurture and care, it can revive and flourish and multiply. Focusing on gratitude can renew and grow our hope. Recognizing and appreciating the good that God has shown us in the past can increase our hope for all he's going to do in the future. And sharing this gratitude and hope with those who love and support us can multiply its effects. Beloved, let me leave you with this. As we nurture this living hope, the promise of hope that we're given in Jesus Christ, it can sustain us through our darkest days if we wait for God to move. The Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 15, 13, it says best, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, Amen and Amen. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for another encouraging message from God's Word. To find out more about our ministry, look us up on the web at www.whccnb.org. Word of Hope Christian Church. Real people. A real God. Real hope.